Welcome to this edition of Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets. In this weekly show, you'll catch two fund managers who'll share their views on a selection of listed companies, both here and overseas. Hit the subscribe button on your podcast player to be notified of new episodes each week. And don't forget that all the views expressed are general in nature and you should seek your own advice before making any decisions of your own. That's all from me. Sit back, relax and enjoy the latest edition of Buy, Hold, Sell. Hey, how you doing? And welcome to Livewire's Buy, Hold, Sell. I'm Ali Selby, and over the past six months, investors have been completely bombarded with countless articles on the fixed rate mortgage cliff and the outlook for the big four banks. So today, we're taking a deep dive into financials, and we'll also learn Fundy's top picks within the sector. So today, we're joined by Andrew Martin from Alfinity and Michael Morn from Tyndall. Okay, Andrew, I'm gonna start with you today. Everyone's talking about this fixed rate mortgage cliff. What do you see its effect being on the economy? Uh, thanks, Ali. Um, look, I think if you're getting a mortgage reset, it probably feels like a cliff, but from an economic point of view, it's probably more like a mortgage hill, to be honest. Uh, about a third of Australian adults have a mortgage, uh, another third own their own home, and another third have neither. Typically, 15 to 20% are fixed rate mortgages, but at the peak in 21, it got to 35% of mortgages. And about 50% of those are actually uh, maturing or refinancing this year. So if you work that through, it actually works out to only about 5 or 6% of Australian adult households having a mortgage reset this year. To me, the bigger issue is actually the people that didn't have a fixed rate mortgage. It's those that had a, a variable rate mortgage for the last year when rates have been rising rapidly. And it's that cumulative effect of those people that have been dealing with that already uh, that is really what's slowing the economy down and why we're hearing more anecdotes about a slowdown in retail spending, for example. Mm. Do you agree, Michael? Yeah, I think uh, what's interesting is the RBA probably paused in April because there was uncertainty about how this um, big step up for, for these uh, borrowers was going to impact the market. And I think the banks, that's probably what drove the increasing competition for the banks in, that, uh, in the last quarter. Uh, we had CBA coming out very aggressively back in February, and by May they're saying, you know, the war's over uh, in terms of bank competition, we're going to pull back on cashbacks. So I think that uncertainty and people not knowing exactly how that was going to play out created some, some short-term noise in the market. Mm. Credit quality has actually been better than expected. As the economy slows, if it does, what will that mean for profits and dividends? Yeah, I think that you know, no one's expecting bank bad debts to be this low going forward. You know, the normal levels of bad debts are higher than where we are now, and everyone's forecasting that, and banks are provisioned for that. Um, so it shouldn't really affect the bottom line too much in terms of the profits of the banks. Where banks get hit in a, at a point like this is on the rating. So the PE gets affected by the fact that uh, the market's looking forward at a potential recession and you know, shoots first. What do you think? Well, uh, so I agree with that. Uh, just got to remember that the central bank is actually trying to slow the economy down. Uh, and the only way they can do that by putting rates up, which ultimately leads to more unemployment. When you get unemployment, that's when you get the credit issues. The main uh, issue at the moment is that, that that's been pushed out. So everyone was expecting it this year, but all the excess savings uh, and the fact that everyone's employed mm. has meant that those issues have been pushed out. So it's probably more like next year we're thinking about, but banks are really well prepared for a downturn. For years, it's been better to invest in bank shares and to have your money in the bank. Do you think that's changed now? I think it's more line ball. Um, with interest rates going up uh, and the banks competing for, for deposits, 
you can get term deposit rates now four and a half five percent which mm. is pretty attractive we haven't seen that for for a long long time in australia Compare that to bank dividend yields of about five and a half, six percent, depending on the bank, which is pretty attractive. Add on franking, that's in the eights. Uh, so it's still pretty attractive to, to, to get a bank dividend yield. Um, the difference is you don't lose your capital in a term deposit, but you might if you buy a bank. And as Michael was saying, at this point in the cycle, it is much riskier, uh, more risky for bank share prices. Therefore, it probably makes it a bit more line bull. Mm. What do you think, Michael? As interest rates rise, is cash really trash? Uh, I think. There's a couple of key, key points there. Andrew mentioned one of them, which is the franking on bank dividends. That's a really important differentiator. You know, if you look at the CBA uh, yield, it's probably not that dissimilar to what you can get on deposit, but you add the franking and it's substantially above. The ANZ dividends probably more like 10% against a 5% uh, deposit rate. And the other thing is inflation. You know, we're talking about 5% being a good rate. It's still a negative real yield. So I think we've got to look at these numbers. We get a bit caught up in the absolutes. You know, it used to be one, now it's five. Isn't that a lot better? Well, kind of. Is there any part of this sector that has really benefited from this new market environment? Yeah, well, as a rule, financials all benefit from rising rates. Um, but insurance is the one in particular that's benefiting at the moment. Uh, if you think about the cash that they hold to pay claims, finally getting a decent return on that uh, after a long time of getting uh, very little. And uh, you know, if we think about an industry like that and whether it's able to sustain the profits that it's generating from that, it comes down to the intensity of competition. And it feels like you know, there's a reasonably benign uh, uh, degree of competition in the insurance market at the moment. And that's why we have confidence that that can kind of be maintained. How sustainable do you think those returns will be for the insurers? Yeah, I think the important thing is that unlike other rate sensitive parts of the market, like banks, for example, where they've chosen to compete away the benefit, uh, the insurers aren't competing it away. And so you're getting these premium rate increases and the way that uh, earnings work for insurers, that flows through over a number of years. So this can be sustained now, you know, at least for another year, if, if not longer. OK, let's get into buy, hold, sell. First up, we have Insurance Australia Group. Andrew, I'll start with you. Is it a buy, hold or sell? It's a hold for us. Uh, we do like the insurance sector. We like the fact that premium rates are going up. They benefit from interest rates going up as well. But it is the premium rated stock in the, in the sector. We think you can get the same exposure elsewhere at a much cheaper price. So it's a hold for us. OK, its share price is up over 30% over the past year. Michael, is it a buy, hold or sell? Uh, IAG is a buy for us. Um, don't disagree with what Andrew's saying, but we think the rising tide lifts all boats in this environment and all the insurers are buyers, even though IAG is not our preferred stock in the sector either. Okay, next up we have ANZ Group. Is it a buy, hold or sell? Uh, ANZ's a buy. Yeah, as we said before, banks do well in rising rate environments. The risk is to the rating when we go through you know, recessionary times and that's already in the price with ANZ. ANZ's trading on a 10 times PE the market's on 15 times and CBA's on 17 times. So we think that it's a price for its reality. Okay, its share price is up around 5% over the past 12 months. Andrew, is that one a buy, hold or sell for you? Uh, ANZ's a sell for us. Um, you know, we have a bit of a negative tack on banks overall at this point in, in the cycle. But with ANZ, we, we're not a big fan of their retail strategy, building a whole new bank on the side and then trying to transfer everyone across. Uh, we think it's risky and unproven and the CEO, CEO won't even be there to see it through. 
Biggest exposure to New Zealand, who we're a bit concerned about as they head into recession. Issues with costs, uh, it's a sell for us. Okay, next up we have wealth management platform provider NetWealth. Andrew, last one for you, is that a buy, hold or sell? Uh, that's a sell for us. Uh, it's a company we actually like the business and the management team. It's just at a far too ritzy valuation for us at 40 times earnings. Uh, you know, they had a golden run there for a bit where all their competitors were in disarray, the banks, AMP, RWF. They're all back in the game now, technology's improved. And for a company like net wealth at 40 times, you can't have your top line grow slowing. And so we're concerned about that, so sell. Its share price has lifted around 30% over the past year. Michael, over to you. Is it a buy, hold or sell? Net wealth is a hold for us. I agree with what Andrew's saying. I mean, we've, they've benefited from the uh, banks getting out of wealth and that helped their flows. But we're still expecting 15 to 20% uh, revenue growth from that company. Um, yes, it's too expensive to buy more here, but it's still a very, very good company. We asked our guests to bring along their highest conviction pick within the financial sector today. Michael, I'll start with you. What have you brought for us? Yeah, we think the most compelling stock in the um, financial space is QBE. If you look at uh, the investment returns picking up, the premium growth um, much higher than uh, costs, so all of those are the positives that we know about for insurers. This one, in addition, trades on a much lower rating, partly because of some of the his history. And there's a new management team, and we think there's an opportunity for the 30% discount that QBE trades at to IAG, for example, to narrow. Okay, over to you, Andrew. What have you brought for us today? Well, we, actually, we actually agree with Michael. Not too many places in the market where you get earnings upside and good valuation. So we, we like QBE as well. But we think in your portfolio, you need something defensive at this point in the cycle. And so for us, that's Medibank. Uh, it's the private health insurer, different part of insurance, still benefit, benefits from interest rates going up. Obviously been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons recently about the cyber hack, but that gives us an opportunity. And you know, underlying the business has moved past that now, growing customer numbers again, um, dealing with costs well, so you get the leverage, completely transformed how claims are being uh, dealt with in Australia. Uh, but the sort of cherry on top, if you like, is a completely ungeared balance sheet. They have no debt coming into this e era of higher rates. Uh, allows them to do acquisitions. And if they can't find the acquisitions, then they can do capital management. So it's a kind of bedrock of your portfolio in a defensive sense. So it's a buy for us. Mm, what more could you want? Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Buy, Hold, Sell as much as I did. If you did, why not give it a like? Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're adding so much great content every single week. Thanks for listening to Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets, Australia's number one source of expert investment analysis and insights. Register for free online at livewiremarkets.com and you'll discover more exclusive investing articles, videos and podcasts.